The battle of Britain is about to begin. Welcome back to the Lead Pursuit Podcast, episode 50. I'm not sure what we're going to call it other than what the heck happened and how are we here. So we're going to start this episode kind of where this all started. Yeah, with the pusher himself, John Russell. How you doing, John? Well, hello. Yeah, sad we had to. <laughs> Thanks for having me on board for the 50th. Yeah, we awesome. had to go back to the bottom of the barrel. We'll talk to John again because there's nothing else to talk about. That's right, default, default, default. Well, shit, we ought to talk to John. Let's talk to John again. And, well, you know, we have Chris on because for once his governor's letting him actually roam around the state smartly. Yay. Chris, are you with us? I am here. I'm sorry. I forgot my mute button. I was talking to no one. <sighs> yeah, I'm, I'm still trying to get my brain engaged right now, man. That's all right. Brett's also going to join us tonight. Brett, how you doing down there? I'm good. We could always call this episode Two Marines and a Ranger Walk Up to a Demo Table. Why, hello, gentlemen. Come on in. Let me show you a game called Blood Red Skies. Let's never go back through that again. Never. Two Marines and a Ranger get sold the freaking farm by an Air Force clown. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, th- th- that sounds like... Bonus. Hey, would you guys like tickets to the Wi-Fi? <laughs> yeah, we know how that works. Also, tickets to the pool. Shut up, Air Force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's let's kick it off and uh, talk about a couple things. We're going to cover some debrief items, some things, some listener questions we've uh, talked about. Uh, we'll talk a little bit through some Intel updates, then we'll proceed to banter for a while about probably nothing at all, but just usual stupidity. But, you know, I never miss an opportunity to not make fun of Warlord Games. Or wait, I never miss an opportunity to make fun of Warlord Games. That's what I meant to say. Damn it. Right, enough right. So, so if anyone's got out to the Blood Red Skies website, the FAQ, I think, dates from the Stone Age. It's on there. But we've got a new item that just popped for the FAQ this last week. So, Brett, you've been playing tournament games. You've been playing some campaign games. Uh, removing cards after you have the aircraft shot down. How have we got this far in the game and just thought about that? I guess I didn't play enough games. But, yeah, we did that. Our uh, our first game of this new campaign, it worked out well. It was made sense. It was easy enough. Yeah, it's it's funny. It's one of those things that you ask everybody. It's kind of been assumed one way or the other. And it was like, well, no, isn't it obvious that you lose an airplane? You have to take a card out or... My answer, which was like, no, why would you take cards out? I mean, you, you already got the deck of cards. Who wants to change the deck of cards just because somebody got shot down? But Andy himself weighed in, and yes, in fact, when an airplane is shot down, you lose traits. Now, there's a, a corollary to that that Andy and various other people were debating back and forth is, do you lose the number of Doctrine, Theater, et cetera, cards when you transition down from higher numbers? So if you go from, let's say, 12 fighters down to eight. Um, do you change what your card deck sizes are there? I'd say no. That's, that's still to be determined because it's doctrines. And, and, and you know, like John's saying, there's there's a question about do doctrines apply across squadrons or should you pick a squadron doctrine card for every squadron you have or some other, you know, optional rule kind of ways of weighing in on it. Um, 
But John, I tend to agree with you. I say, no, we, we leave those on there. Brett, what did you guys do in your 40 airplane game or whatever? You just blood red skies it was. <laughs> That's not really that big of an exaggeration. Uh, it was about 40 planes. Uh, we did not remove the cards when um, planes were shot down. There weren't really a lot of planes shot down anyway. But what, when it, it occurred to us to do it when a squadron was boomed out. So that's that's when we reshuffled the deck and pulled out trait cards and stuff and just left um, trait cards for the remaining aircraft on the table at that point. So we probably should have removed some cards a little bit before then as some fighters were shot down, but that, you know, growing pains. No, that's fine. Just create your own optional rules, whatever. It's Burger King around here, apparently. Just have it your way. No big deal. We're not we're, we're not too worried. No, we that, just kind of forgot. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and to be honest, once again, I, I just kind of assumed always playing small games. I'm like, nah, you don't do it. There's not that many guys shot down. Not a big deal. Yeah, whatever. Okay. So Andy's weighed in. We know how we should be playing the game now. Let's see if we have an FAQ come out to cover that soon. Hopefully we will as tournament season is continuing rapidly apace. We won't talk about the flight line because I don't think anyone in here except well, John Russell has accomplished any hobbying, and we don't want to talk to John Russell about his hobbying. John, what have you done? We're going to talk to you anyway. Well, I, I've, I've, uh, I got the uh, Victory at Sea stuff all squared away. Then I uh, I was out on... Uh, Victory at Sea. Oh, Yeah, oh, yeah we'll talk yeah. about that later. Yeah, we um, will. Uh, I know we will. Uh, you know, we had Gathering of Eagles, which was, was which was really fun. And then I got back from that and had to uh, basically wash clothes and get in a plane. We went out to the... The new opening of our uh, store out there in uh, Randolph, New Jersey, the Mythico Studios and Warlords Games Studio uh, store. And that was that was a lot of fun. Got that all squared away and finished up. Well, I would I would have enjoyed watching it on the live stream, except you had like a New Jersey cell phone signal, which oh you know, my god, it was horrible. Two, two tin cans strung together, and I, I could follow. So I think I well, rage quit your your Facebook feed yeah. on, on opening day. So I apologize. Uh, well, and then after I got all done, because we, we were trying to square some stuff away for HQ and trying to get stuff done. And, and they go, oh, yeah, well, why don't you just hook into this web, uh, this uh, Wi-Fi instead of that Wi-Fi? I'm like, oh, that would have been nice to know uh, 10 minutes ago. And then I probably yeah. wouldn't have lost the Information I could have used an hour ago. Go, yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot, pal. But it, it went really, really well. And I'll be back. I'm just hoping to go back uh, first of November for the next store up at uh, Mahwa in New Jersey for the next store opening for that one. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And... Uh, yeah, was that able is that to, north or south of the Superfund site? Where does that fit in? in I, I think it's just east, you know, <laughs> just as usual. Um, but uh, so that's going to be fun. And then I was able to to see the last little bits of our uh, new item that we're we're leaking today and tomorrow, and it's going to hit big on Wednesday. The uh, whatever. Let's see, I'd be the, what, the 23rd? Did you say uh, leaks? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This thing I've been, can we, can we thing I've been, I've been here? quiet about for about a year and a half. So. Yeah, so it's been, it's been, uh, it was a lot of fun to do and help. And, and uh, I, I didn't do a lot of the playtesting, but I was able to put, you know, introduce one person to the other and get that going. And I'm really excited to see this thing hit. We, we leaked the first little teaser today on on. Uh, some sites, and then it'll just get bigger. And Wednesday will be the big kaboom, and we'll see how that goes. But and then I just got back, and now I'm trying to catch up on everything. And I actually got a little bit of hobbying done. I, I set, painted up a. I'm working on an SU-76M uh, for my Chinese for Korea, and then I'll do a Korea Jeep, and then uh, uh, a utility truck for Judge Dredd, and then I'll start painting some more airplanes. Nice, nice. Have you figured out how you're going to carry your airplanes around? <laughs> well, I got the. I, I found that big, big plastic tin 
a tub that I used for some of the stuff you guys saw at Gathering of Eagles. And uh, they sell a seven foot long by like three foot, two inch piece of rolled foam at uh, Hobby Lobby for like, I don't know, 10 bucks or easier coupon and get it down to like, you know, eight or nine bucks. So I'll be doing that and cutting foam. So that'll be the next project, getting all that stuff back out of the shed, which you have been to, Doug, and uh, dig all that out of there and uh, get, get those re restored because I need to have a better method than just to bubble wrap in a cardboard <laughs> box. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't work so well. But I uh, yeah. I kind of been dabbling with the same thing. So I went out and I bought uh, a little bit of uh, of foam, a little bit, I say, from Uline and some boxes. Uh, and, uh, and I was surprised. So the problem is you can never buy anything in small amounts. So you need to split this with your buddy. Uh, but I was I was pretty happy with for about three hundred and fifty bucks. I ended up with 12, uh, 12 inch by two foot uh, boxes full of foam. Uh, and so you know, once again, depends how you how you want to buy your foam, how you want to stack it. But there was uh, a lot of of capability to do you know pick and pluck foam and not spend an arm and a leg. You know that's. That's not being said that I don't love uh, some of these other companies like Battle Foam and some of the other guys that are out there because they do some amazing work. Uh, I just, if I have hundreds of miniatures to put away, I cannot afford to buy their stuff. So uh, <laughs> I needed to buy something else for my 40K and my Rogue Trader collection. You you only buy Battle Foam at Adepticon on the last day when yeah, everything's exactly. on freaking 90% off sale because we and, don't want to put yeah. it in an airplane and take it back. Because they don't want to carry it back. <laughs> exactly. Right. exactly. Exactly. That stuff you put up on the – I think you sent me a picture. That stuff looks really good. I mean, yeah, it's I, not, I was it, surprised. just lasered is nice, but that stuff was – okay. it was great. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the funny thing is you you kind of get what you pay for when you buy boxes and stuff like that in bulk. I mean, you know, they're, they're not as perfect or as fancy as the Battle Foam ones, and I'll swear by those – Battle Foam cardboard boxes, uh, they're great. They stack well. They've got little tabs to hold them in place. But, oh, my God, I've seen bags that cost less than those boxes. Uh, but, <laughs> once again, it's it's what are you doing? Those boxes that they make are great for storing your extra foam trays. What I was trying to do was generate a shit ton of foam trays. Uh, so that's what I did for about 300 and change. Yeah, those those ammo can freaking plastic trays that Steve Toth was posting about in our um, little admin chat the other day i actually ran into those yesterday when i was on my way back from the up at a sportsman's freaking at jay sportsman's warehouse and those things really are nice and they weren't overly expensive and i was kind of checking them out and size wise those are really nice trays they would work really well for miniatures they clip shut Mm, and they lock together really well on top they might work really well so watch this space you might see a new standard for how are you going to carry your miniatures around? And if you, I'm sure if you told Jess Laser the size, they'd cut that foam for you just right. If, but see, that I have to ship it. I've got foam cutters right here. There you go. The old, good old US of A. So yeah, so we may have something here soon uh, that fits those sizes and fits those sizes pretty well and is standardized because I hate all my boxes being of different sizes and different foam shapes. Thank you, Battle Foam. <laughs> <laughs> Medium and large and small and all those sizes. Kind of matches the aesthetic too. Kind of looks like uh, maybe some uh, some kind of ammo resupply for your aircraft on the run up there. Yeah, that was that was one of the cool things about. It. I mean, they're built to stack freaking, um, of course, ammunition, but they they were nice trays. I mean, I've seen a lot of trays. These had some pretty good freaking heft to them and some pretty good strength to them. We'll talk about some other things that've been coming out. I, I did have to laugh that Warlord just announced the PE two and JU eighty eight C. Oh wait, 
Didn't we announce that in Chips yeah. and Bows earlier this summer? <laughs> nice work, Warlord. <laughs> nice work, John. I know yeah. you can't take can't take the blame for that one, but that was pretty funny. Yeah, it was it was I was glad to finally see those and now we can get all those JU88s back on the board. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I know a couple people have painted up their C's as if they were A's. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what people do. Um, but, you know, I, I, have to, I have to make the joke here because John was talking about the Victory at Sea named bases. And, and, you know, he was talking about that kit. And we always say such good things about Warlord customer service. And I, I kind of had a moment, you know, I guess to use my big 50 cent word of the day, I'd say it was an epiphany. I was sitting there and I kept wondering, why does Victory at Sea have these big tsunami bases? And why do those big tsunami bases have the ship name emblazoned on them? And I realized they're trying to take the work away from their customer service department, having to respond to the wrong resin, the wrong airplanes, the wrong ships being put in the wrong box. That way you read the name on the ship and you match it to the box. Nice work, Warlord. Nice You're work. You're welcome. <laughs> Everything we can do to help you, help you make your hobby easier. That's Are the it. airplanes going to have their name on the bottom too? <laughs> did, did you notice on John Russell's, on his Hornet, that it's an exactly scaled up version of the wave freaking pattern that's got, that the Hornet sits in? I mean, I, that was that was some, I mean, it was like he was out there with calipers. Like, yeah, I've just got to upsize exactly the way they did these. I was, yeah, that was impressive. That yeah, was good. It took a lot of work. Trust me, it took a lot of work. <laughs> we appreciate that. It's that was a great target. I mean, it was a great piece of terrain to have out. There. Well, I, I was glad that we were able to get it there, and it was just one of the things that made GOE that much more uh, special, I guess, or unique. And that was that. That, that was. A, I was really happy with the way the GOE went. I was happy with the way the crowd was. It was just the perfect event at the perfect. You know, I have the right exact equipment at the right exact time. You know, quote Patton from Patton, but. It was it was a good time and and everything was just right and I mean those B29s the Catalina that cat was beautiful that you guys had out there and uh, it's just and the B29s that Brett pulled out there I was like oh man I want to play this I want to play that well, I, I still I still feel guilty because we didn't run the B29 scenarios and we didn't do the Catalina scenario and I know Brian had said hey I want to do a Catalina we scenario and I had one ready to go and we didn't do it so. Well, yeah, we had all that stuff out there for Big Reds guys. We did a little bit, but you know, we didn't yeah. do as much of Big Alley as I wanted to. However, it did make me yeah. go yeah, buy. Yeah, what did three you more. just buy? What, oh, Jesus. what did you just acquire? Yeah. Pusher. Well, because somebody was bitching about, well, you know, one on one isn't going to be any good. We need more planes. And it, one of those, okay, here, here's your public service announcement: don't drink alcohol and go online and order things. You know, because that's just. Michael always. How goes, how has that only become a sudden realization to you? The rest of us learned that of like the first yeah, year of Amazon. Exactly. Come on. Well, <laughs> well, Mike, Michael always sends me these these. Uh, he's a modeler and he gets these updates like from Sprue Brothers or these places. Or and uh, there's a couple good kits out there for MiG 15 and, and the and the F 86. And I was like, okay, well maybe I should go look. And then they had them for like nine bucks a piece. I'm like, well that's kind of cool. But they didn't have three because I wanted to do four on four because a four v four is is that'd be great for Big Alley, you know. Four MIGs and four four Sabres, but they didn't. They only had like one, maybe. So okay, so I started. So I started going down these rabbit holes. And, okay, I found some, and then I said, "Well, now I need to do decals." So then I started looking at decals, and it, it just oh man, about an hour and a half later, it was only a hundred bucks. So when it was all said and done, I got uh, six different sets of uh, decals for the F eighty sixes and six different sets of decals for the MIG fifteens. And what was really neat, and I think I sent it to, to Doug was there's a little synopsis of that aircraft and who it was and where it was. And I was hoping to get four from the, the fourth fighter wing, but ended up, I don't think I have enough decal, so I'll just do two from the fourth and two from the 51st, which is cool because that's the wing that was in Korea when I was there. 
So I have two. Uh, is that nineteen fifty four? I'm just kidding. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right after, <laughs> they, right after, right after the ceasefire, yeah, is when right. you were there. It was horrible, man. A lot of mud, um, and it was. Uh, uh, so I'll have two from fifty first and two from the fourth, and then I'll have four MIGs. And of course, you look at those decals and you, and you look at the write ups, and, and the decals are for North Koreans, Chinese, and Russians, and they they they, they, they can correlate and all. And it's just, I was like, well, this is going to be kind of cool just to talk about it when, we, when we're playing on the on the board. But then they had two of those, three of those MIGs were in that camouflage pattern. One was that polka dot kind of pattern. I'm like, oh, man, that'd be kind of cool to paint. Oh, crap. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad you've gone down this hobby rabbit hole. It makes me feel all warm inside. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm now the pusher. I'm, I'm, exactly. I've pushed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so happy. I, mission accomplished. Yes. Yeah. But I think it's going to be great because, I mean, it, it, it. everybody walked over to that table. We had all, you know, we had the. The Corsair and the Zero, and then we had, of course, the, the, the Hurricane and the, and the Spitfire and the HE-111 and the, and the ME-109s. Then we had the uh, V-1s, so you could chase a V-1 if you wanted to, and then we had right, you know, right. Big Alley. And I, it was a lot of, again, it was just, everything was just, it was great. The, the, the people who helped us there, you know, all the, all the staff there at the, the Hilton were great and accommodating, and then the, the the people were great, and the little chat sessions outside by the fireplace were phenomenal. And being able to bring our own booze and food in was great. It was yeah, I don't really know what great. you guys did. Apparently, you guys played war games. I sat outside and drank booze the whole time. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Now, you know, the next place, you know, we're looking, and, and we've told everybody just because we did it in Indianapolis doesn't mean we can't do it someplace else. Like the old game, you know, open days of old from Games Workshop, you know, there was one in Los Angeles, and then one in Dallas, and one in Chicago, and one in Baltimore. and one in Atlanta, you know, at the peak, there was five, I think. And then there was one up in Canada. So there's no reason why we maybe can't look around. And, of course, people are suggesting maybe the one nearby your place, you know, the 8th uh, Air Force's place is only like a half an hour yep, from you, yep. which is brilliant. So we'll see. But it, it's going to be a lot of fun, I think, just watching how this develops and where it goes from here. Because, I mean, it was a lot of fun. It was well, well yeah, fun. it was awesome. And let me be honest. I'm looking for people to take this and run this wherever they want without me. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah it's, and it's not that I, I don't believe in the GOE model. It's that the purpose of doing this is to do it multiple times in a lot of other places and not necessarily have to have all of the same people show up at all the same events. Well, you, you know, you do that once or twice, you know, maybe East Coast, West Coast, but then you let everybody else uh, ta- tailor theirs to their, their own like in a region. And I think it'd be brilliant. I would say it's genius is what it is. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> no. Genius. <laughs> Wiley just happy. Coyote, genius. Exactly. Super genius. <laughs> genius. Yeah, no, I'm just glad that after all of this time and effort, we got to actually do one in person, uh, which is good, which kind of brings me back to the, the first part of this whole episode. Brett, Chris, was that anywhere in the plans when we were driving back from Adepticon? Because I certainly don't remember it. <laughs> no, I, I. if you had asked me if we were going to go from – a conversation in the car on the way home to an event in a year, which, I mean, it was just a little bit over a year and we'd be at 50 podcasts in a year. I mean, we're, we're like broaching on like, or I, Horace and some other freaking pretty major podcasts. Like well, I think freaking pretty much numbers. my summary of the drive home was screw that John Russell guy. Now I've got a freaking all these boxes of airplanes I got to build. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, this has taken a few branches and sequels, I think. Since yeah, this this hasn't exactly gone the ways that I was assuming it would, which is kind of funny, which is good in some ways. It's gone just the way it's supposed to, Doug. Oh, I don't know about that, but yeah. So it, it just it has the way been John planned it. Yeah, well, that, that's exactly yeah. <laughs> that jackass. 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, find somebody with a lot of money. Check one. Find somebody who's willing yeah, to get on the freaking. Find three dumbasses with a lot of money. Willing to <laughs> advertise my drugs for me. Check two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And they play airplanes and they used to fly them. Check, check, check. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's exactly. Gonna be perfect. These suckers. They'll never know what hit them. Boom. Yeah, yeah. Gotta love it. Well, you know, looking back the the fifty episodes, it's it's kind of a little humorous to me, and we'll talk a lot more about it uh, here in the next segment. But it's it's funny how things have grown from let's just talk about you know a little bit about the game and kind of intro things to people to talking about what our hobby progress is and then delving into rules discussions which apparently people still want to know about apparently people actually think you can win this game more than once out of sheer luck uh, and then talking to a lot of the other guests that we've had you know talking to authors talking to historians uh, and and really bringing out a lot of the story behind. Blood Red Skies, the game itself. You know what's what's the history that drove the way some of these aircraft are portrayed. Uh, besides, Andy likes UK aircraft, and so everyone in the RAF gets all the cool traits and can cheat with aggressive tactics, defensive tactics, and tight turn. Right, Brett? Yeah, but That's all the right. stuff. Yeah, but all the stuff is labeled. You know, the zoom and boom chips are all from the the Luftwaffe tactics. You know, they used to zoom and boom all the time. So he has a little like in the Luftwaffe. <laughs> Not enough to give them good traits. <laughs> I, I'm adding defensive tactics to the list of cheat cards. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a cheat combo, and and I think I think you saw me use it uh, on uh, on Steve at one point. The cheat combo of defensive tactics and aggressive tactics, and then all of a sudden people are like, "How do you how do you have squadrons that do all this stuff? We have enough airplanes, you can get enough doctrine cards." So yeah, it uh, it makes things interesting. Well, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk our way through the fifty episodes and some of the things we learned, some of the things we are never going to do again, like buy a game from John Russell. Amen, brother. <laughs> and we'll be right back. And we're back. So talking about 50 episodes of the Lead Pursuit podcast. How do we end up in the Lead Pursuit podcast, Brett? Whose good idea was it? Uh, pizza. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, 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 who was the a-hole that says, we ought to do a podcast? Everybody's got a podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that was, podcasting can't be that hard. That sounds like a great idea. John, have you ever heard that one before? Uh, if I had a nickel. Yeah, exactly. For everyone who said, podcasting is simple. Yeah, but, you, I think, but, but you say it's simple, but not too many of them survive. I mean, my goodness, 50. I mean, I, 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 I'm gobsmacked that it's already at 50. I, I turn around and I'm like, holy crap. I mean, you know, the... The Snafu guys just passed their fifth, and they've been around for I, three years. I was years. about to say, so that was going to... So how many episodes are they at right now? They're they, huh? they just, huh? they just over 50, and then, you know, the, oh, juggers, yeah. the juggers are only at 25, and you guys are smashing <laughs> 50 already. I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> you turn around, and boom, you're at 25, turn around, boom, you're 50. Holy mackerel. We hired an F-18XO as the guy in charge of things. So, so if anything, we're able to stay on a schedule and keep moving forward. It, it, it might fucking might be. run the bus over you assholes <laughs> if you're not on a schedule. <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah, well, so I and here's where I have to tease the guys over at Snafu because because things became a little strange, not intentionally, but it was it was us kind of being funny and then people not taking it as funny, and I thought it was funny, but not everyone thought it was funny. So whatever, sorry, Snafu guys, but hey, look, guys, we're already at fifty episodes. Maybe we don't need to ramble the whole time. Now we make it short and concise and sweet, and only talk for an hour instead of two and a half or three. <laughs> well, that's an F eighteen guy driving the bus again. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be quick, but you know the. I do have to complain to the Snafu podcast. Your podcast is too long or my yard is too small. I, I, I'm i done with the yard before I'm finished with your podcast. Oh, so you I ever, never finish it. <laughs> have you ever even looked at, uh, listened to or watched the Juggers? Uh, yeah, it, th- th- those guys are, are, are a great bunch of dudes, but sometimes it's like two and a half, three hour podcasts. I'm like, oh, Lord. I don't know. I, if I my problem is I want to listen, but then I, I end up sitting on the front porch and my wife walks out. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, uh... Uh, getting ready to go do the weed eating. Yeah, that's it. You know, so I never finished the podcast. I feel actually do feel bad about that. Agreed. And it's, it's, but, but they have some good content and they have a lot of fun. So, I mean, it's, and that's their format, and, you know, so you guys have got the, the in and out format for, you know, quick hour done and just like Blood Red Skies is and, and uh, you know, 40K and bolt action take sometimes, I guess, you know, maybe a little longer. And so their podcast might be a little longer. Well, you know, it's not us. It's all the people that are playing and talking about this game and asking questions and posting interesting things yeah. on Ready Room all that give people, us something to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> people stop asking questions and stop playing this damn game so I can shut this podcast down and get my life back. No. no. Yeah. And Ken's been doing a pretty good job out there, you know, with the, with, the, with the Ready Room, and there's been a lot of stuff on there yeah. lately. Yeah. It's just phenomenal. And you guys are doing that other little, you know, secret school project that I think is going to be a lot of fun someday if we ever get off the ground. And uh, yeah, uh, if stuff ever gets shipped here and we can get it off the ground. Exactly. Oh, well, that should be arriving this week. If you're talking about what we talked about at GOE, that should be yeah, arriving exactly. this week. Yes. So, uh, and of course, then we've got that project going to go. And then we've got the uh, skies over some Southeast Asia kind of stuff going, too. So, Yep. Oh, well, let's not talk about that one. That was two and a half hours. I'll never get back today with more playtesting. So. If you ever say, hey, I want to help somebody by playtesting, uh, go outside, smash yourself in the head with a rolling pin, and you will have had about the same experience. No. Uh, we well, just- <laughs> and that's what's, that's what's so funny, too, Doug, is Rick Priestley put up a thing about some of his playtesting that they were doing for Gates of Antares. And he put a picture up of what they were doing, and it had a couple weird-looking figures and and pieces of paper for train. And people just about lost their freaking minds. Like, oh my God, you can't play that way. When you're doing play tests, that's exactly how you have to play. Because there's no miniatures. There's no buildings. You got to come up with something. Dude, dude, who are you kidding? At at freaking GW, I, I, the one thing that blew me away was when I got an insider's view of GW and how they do play testing. And I was told that they don't even have armies like that GW owns. Like the play testers had to bring their own armies and had to build their own proxy models to play test Horus Heresy games. And this is like a leather bound edition that's that, that's $120 when you pick it up. And that's how they're doing the play testing. And you have this freaking belief in your mind that like there's this some crazy gaming room somewhere that's like got cognac on one wall and freaking fully painted armies on the other. And that's how they do play testing. It's just not the way it works. Well, that's John's house, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, the the funny part, if we're going to dwell on playtesting, I mean, the great thing is you can absolutely cheat, as we did today, and change the rules in the middle of the playtesting session because it was so bad by turn three. We're like, this is the most unfun, unexciting, 
boring game ever. <laughs> well, that, <and laughs> so that's when you do it, though. And that, that's when you do it so that the people don't experience that. And, you know, maybe back... And we've all had those games like, you know, Air War and stuff that maybe they didn't do that. You know, the old counter games are like, my God, did they even think about taking this out of the box? You know, and, and it's just... Uh, you got to break the game to fix the game, and I think that's the perfect time is is when you do it in play testing. Oh, good, because we, we broke it. We broke it about seventeen different ways and kept breaking it. And yeah, we got to the point where we had had so many band aids to fix things we broke that broke it again that we just started over for a third time today. So don't ask about Vietnam. Doug doesn't want to talk about Vietnam. <laughs> we'll get to those rules one of these years. All right. Well, moving on with the other things that we did uh, somehow. In the middle of all this, we started doing virtual gatherings of eagles. Chris, was that your good idea? Can I blame you for that? Saying, oh, it's easy. People do stuff on Discord all the time. Yeah, that was my fault. Yeah, and then we, <laughs> we graduated to like deeper and deeper and deeper in. Yeah, it was, it was my fault. I was glad you funded it, but yeah, it was my fault. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, doing Discord uh, has been fun, and it's I know it's been infrequent that we've been on there playing games and, and doing stuff like that, but then we've also... Uh, you know, kind of leverage that when we do our in-person gatherings, because that way we can bring in everyone who didn't travel, everyone who couldn't make it, and at least get some of the streaming video, uh, hopefully without the choppiness of other streaming videos we have. I've actually haven't gone back and looked at the videos that we've recorded. They could have been terrible. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Discord's got its uses, but it, the more you do podcasting, the more you see it. It's all about production value. And you can tell those podcasts where somebody walks in and they've got no crap a studio set up. They've got they're doing everything that they've got to do with the, everybody knows how to sync their mics. And I mean, independent character, perfect example. I mean, but those guys, they're throwing tons of money in it. And that's the big thing with the podcasting game is how do you get your feet wet and kind of work your way into it and still have it sound professional? Because there are some podcasts out there that they have the best intentions in the world. They're great guys. Their banter is good, but their production value is so low that you, you cannot understand what is being said on the podcast. Which well, kind, a, yeah, yeah, it kind of goes back to last weekend when I just yeah. said, John, you forgot yeah, your headset. Yeah, Go headsets, yeah, I blew that up. You know, I was over. <laughs> I just couldn't get it in my luggage. I was like, do I want to take this with me? I could put it around my neck. Nah, I don't want to run through the airport doing an OJ. But it's like I should have because we could have knocked this out there and while I was out there in New Jersey. Uh, yeah, I, that was my fault. And uh, I appreciate you guys for accommodating me. It's, it's just kind of funny because I've become – a stickler for audio quality simply because I'm usually the guy that's editing every once in a while. Chris helps out and carries the load when I drop the ball uh, and does some of the editing. But uh, I've gotten to the point where I've, I've just become snobbish about it. I'm like, no, I don't want to take the hours to remove all that background noise. Dude, it's it's tough. When you, when you first start doing audio editing and you realize what it really takes to put a quality product together and noise reduction and bringing levels up and, and balancing levels across freaking four feeds. It's, it's a whole new ball game. I mean, podcasting is just, everybody says, Oh, it's easy. No, it's not easy. And it's not just everybody. Well, it's easy a to put out a shit product. product. A, yeah. It is very yeah, easy to put a shit product yeah. that nobody's going to listen to after two episodes. Yeah. And that's what was kind of interesting. Was it, uh, I don't know if it was the last episode or the one before that, I mean, not episode, uh, a copy of World war games illustrated. They had a whole section towards the back of the, the magazine about how to do a quality podcast and how to do a, a quality video product. And it was, there was like about 10 or 15 major points and, you know, sub points. And I'm like, wow, they really went into this. And, and I think for all those people out there who want to maybe do something like this, they need to maybe go pick up that, that magazine and read those articles. Cause you can, like, like Chris said, you can put out a product, but nobody's going to listen to it. 
Well, you know, the other funny thing is I think there's sometimes selfish motives to doing the podcast, doing the unboxing videos and everything, because people are like, all right, this will be easy. You know, I'll go out there, I'll do all this content. People will send me equipment for free, I say, as my last purchase from DVG Games just arrived today. So, yes, the Kickstarter for Thunderbolt Apache Leader. Yeah, it wasn't free. I paid for it. <laughs> so, yes, podcasters still have to buy their own games every once in a while. It also helps to have two guys that are into audio, video, and freaking everything else and have freaking piles of equipment laying around <laughs> that they want to mess with anyway yeah. and, and more excuses to buy more equipment. Right, Doug? Yeah. Yeah, thanks. It, thanks. it, it becomes that self-looking ice cream cone. But it, and, and like you said earlier, Chris, if you want to do a quality podcast, you got to have your shit scored away right away because if you want to get that free stuff that Doug's talking about and you want to get the, 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 the stuff from companies, you got to be shit hot. I mean, look at Wapple stuff. Wapple and Kathy, James and Kathy yeah, Wapple yeah. kill at 90, 90 look minutes. Look how much they crank out in, yeah, in no time at yeah, all. Yeah, I mean, that I dude is, because I don't, I don't interact much with them on my Facebook feed, but I just see the progress made day to day on all the projects and everything. I'm like, yeah, you, they're literally living in their studios. So. Well, they have, yeah, their house has one, two, three, four studios, five studios. I always say that on my side of the house, I mean, I look at freaking Isle Horace as the gold standard. Those guys, their banter, everything is freaking spot on. They know their freaking hobby. They can they can talk for three hours. They can do a freaking hell. They've got three different podcasts going on one podcast now, and everybody's still downloading them because it's interesting to listen to. But there's also this level of freaking quality that is across the board with those guys. I mean, yeah, they sound like a bunch of jackasses from freaking Australia, but everything they put out sounds good. It's freaking funny. It's something you want to listen to, and you tune in again and again. And if you don't have all of those things working at one time, people aren't going to tune in. It's just not going to happen. And it was cool to freaking meet those guys a couple of years ago at freaking whoa, 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 Adepticon. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, you're a little dabbling with podcasting. All of a sudden, I end up running a separate podcast, and you were just like a guest on your buddy's podcast. <laughs> I was a guest on my buddy's podcast. Then I freaking got into another podcast. And like I said, that was we ran into the same problems with that podcast because the guys that were on it were a great group of guys but they just tried to turn it into a ramble cast, which turned into kind of local humor. And it just went on and on and on. And you'd sit down to do a podcast and you'd, you'd be staring at your computer and you're like three and a half hours in. And you're like, oh, my God, this has got to freaking end. And people can't keep doing that. That's one of the reasons why I love our format. It's up. I'm You see me. I'm down. We freaking we, we get in. We get out. We say what we need to say. And I think that's why people keep tuning in. It's it's a serial. I mean, nobody wants and to come in and watch an epic. Marines. Exactly. We yeah. don't want to watch it. You don't want to watch a Kevin Costner episode that's freaking boring as shit for freaking three hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I know. Well, give me give me the freaking Bay freaking movie that's freaking 89 minutes and barely feeds me anything I need, but gives me all the wow. Nice explosions. That's all we care about. That's right. Boom, boom. <laughs> nice explosions. You know, and boobies. Yeah. yeah we, we have lots of lens flares on our show here. Yeah, exactly. exactly. We're pretty fancy here. Not yeah. so much. Well, and Matt Schreiber does a really good one, too. I mean, he, he's got some good ones going on, and I think I'll be on his tomorrow. Yeah. And he's been doing – recently, he just did – he started doing like a 24-hour painting thing, and he had different guests come on, and they, they were painting all the time for like 24 or 36 hours of just – and it was all kind of kicked in for – it was either Reaper or, and of course, ReaperCon had a really good, and and what's the changing dynamic right now, you know, everybody did a podcast, but now it kind of became, you had to, to keep in touch with the hobby because of all the, the this, this, uh, the, the curtain that was uh, 
put across the world right now so people can go do their thing. You know, I don't know if you want to say the word because some people say then you're tagged or whatever. But when that freaking COVID kicked out and started, stopped us from going to play, you've got to do something like this just to keep your hobby alive. And, and now we've got these virtual conventions that you know well as I do next year, even if it is a real convention, people are going to still be doing the virtuals because now people from Australia, people from England, people from all over the world can tap into your convention and not be there, but still be there. And uh, we kind of did that a little bit with GOE with Andy yeah, coming yeah. on, and it was fantastic. Well, and, and that's the tough thing is it is sometimes that seems easier to do in, in theory than it is in practice. And, and I think that's my biggest frustration is I'd love to have more opportunities to do virtual GOE, but it isn't no overhead. It takes time to plan, takes time to coordinate. Of course, people don't show up on time or, or like uh, Brett and Chris steal the show as the miniature painters. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not bitter, not at all. But uh, there's there's a level of effort that goes into those that uh, I will be quite honest, because I've had this discussion with a couple people, I would love to see across the U.S., Europe, Asia, a number of people step up and say, hey, we're, we'd like to kind of take the lead on the virtual GOE as well um, so that it's not necessarily the same three or four people planning every every GOE-style event, whether it's virtual or in person. And the virtual ones, guess what? You host it from wherever you are around the time zones that are convenient for you. And if people can show up, that's great. Uh, if you're 12 hours out, if my friends in Singapore ran a virtual GOE, uh, I'd probably show up, say hi, and see you in eight hours after I sleep. <laughs> Well, it, 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 well, then it becomes that uniqueness, and it, you can own that GOE stuff, and it, it, it's just Absolutely. brilliant. I, I had some problems with some p- people coming and say, "Hey, John, we want you to do a, you know, we're, we're having this convention, but we can't have the convention, so we're going to do a virtual convention. What can Warlord do?" I'm like, "Well, we can link it to our website because we, I mean, we just, uh, what do you want me to do?" And and you can ask anybody to come do your virtual thing, but you got to have a plan. Like you guys had a plan for GOE, you had a plan for the virtual GOE. You, you can't just wing it like. You know, like Chris says, you wing it, and nine times out of ten, you get three guys talking about something for four hours, and nobody wants to listen to you. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the thing I've seen a lot of times is people will will wing the events, and it just kind of drags. And at least that was what I was happiest, both in the virtual and in the in-person GOE that we just had, was at least to me, and I realize I'm the organizer, so it really doesn't always, it never seems like it drags to them, but um, it, it didn't seem like a drug to me. It seemed like we had you know, a good move from event to event to event, move to the tournament, you know, took breaks. I know sometimes there were enforced breaks. Uh, and I'll be honest, I, as the organizer, did that to get people to go sit outside, relax, talk to each other, and uh, and not feel like we always had to be uh, competing across the table and be adversaries. We could actually be on the same side. Well, the more you force people not to peek behind the curtain or want to peek behind the curtain makes the event just flow and, and as long as you keep it interesting and you're not like well, what the hell's going on now well, i don't know let's go find the organizer no you, you keep them going you keep them doing like you did and it keep, people are like oh man the day's over with what the hell happened what did i just do you know and that's perfect yeah i think that's the the toughest thing of those you know short events like we had where really it was two full days because uh, it was a day and a half or it was half days on either end and a full day in the middle um, there's just so much to do that you, you can't get there from here, especially if you're trying to take breaks and have happy hours and be social and do things like that. Um, but hopefully it was a step in the right direction and we'll see where it goes in the future and, and where our next GOE is and even when, uh, a lot of that's still up in the air with the way things are progressing in the U S and, you know, with events, uh, by state. But I think you set the standard you set the bar and I think everybody 
Now we know what it I is. I appreciate that. Well, no, it was, it was, it, I mean, I've been to a few of these, and I think yours was, was right up there with, with stuff that's been going on for a while. It, it wasn't. Trust me, I, I didn't get it done myself. Brett yeah. and Chris carried a lot of that load, too. They made well, jokes yeah. to me say, hey, we pitched in at the last yeah. week, but <laughs> they yeah, but carried a lot of load. It, it, it wasn't obviously the first one, if you know what I mean. It didn't seem like right. the first year. Right. It, it didn't have that feel like, oh, shit, what do we do now? No, everything was orchestrated. Everything was planned. It wasn't a bunch of guys with monkeys and footballs. It was really well done, and it was well organized, and I can't wait for the next one. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fun to uh, to see where it goes from here. Dude, I'll tell you, high praise. Chris Duncan's been running the freaking events for probably 10 years in Indianapolis. He came in, saw what we were doing, bought some airplanes, bought some little freaking boats from freaking from John, and he was just like, dude, you guys need to come and link in with my event. And for me, that was just like, huh. Hmm, we're doing some right. He's like, I want you on board my ship because you guys know Excellent. what you're doing. You get shit done. And that Excellent, was, that was good. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I had a little chat with Chris uh, after the whole thing about some of that. So hopefully, uh, first of all, hopefully got him some openings there at the, uh, at the Hilton garden Inn to do their event. If, uh, if they can get a good rate there. And then we definitely want to team up with them and do some more stuff in the future. Cause trust me, I'll go back to Indianapolis. That, that, that tenderloin, or as Chris would say, the tenderloin. Tenderloin. Oh <laughs> you got to swipe in. right on that tenderloin, oh, baby. Yeah, exactly. Oh Ooh. my God. Oof. That was something else. And well, and now that we've established ourselves after I left and everybody's gone and I was, I rolled out. I figured, well, I'll go hit a couple stores just to, as the warlord guy to go chat. And I ended up walking to a store and I'm like, we just heard about this thing this, today. What, what I said, well, we've been talking about it on this, this, this. But you realize you know what you're talking about, but maybe they didn't hook in or whatever. But they were all excited. Oh, if you guys yeah. do it again, we want to come. So th- there were several stores. We could have had, uh, we could have had a crap ton more vendors, but I don't know where we would put them. But it, it, it would have been yeah. It, it, it would have been in the nuts. hall with the magic players. Exactly. Yeah. There we out there, and, and you know, playing to forty k and stuff too. But you know, it, it was it, it, Chris would have been happy. Yeah. Well, and and that was what was cool too is we did have some thirty k. We did have some team Yankee going on, and that was that was okay. I yeah. mean, yeah. But still, we can go bigger now. We, we've established the baseline for GOE, and now we can just go right. up from there. Right. Well, and, and I think that's the part of what you have to be honest about doing an event you know, this size and, and doing a podcast as narrow as Blood Red Skies because we've seen the focus of Lead Pursuit podcast change. I mean, we started as purely a Blood Red Skies podcast. And then, you know, as I dabbled with other aerial war games, I'm like, guys, we need to talk about these other games because people aren't talking about them a lot. Sometimes people are are doing unboxings or playthroughs, but they're not talking to the people making the games. Um, and I think we've tried to kind of kind of morph where Lead Pursuit is. Hopefully, People are interested because hopefully their interest in war games is wider than just the narrow focus of <laughs> of just Blood Red Skies and Blood Red Skies tactics and how to paint your Blood Red Skies airplanes. So, but but, but the flip side of that though is Doug is you guys are narrow and you've got fifty podcasts and you've yeah. got fifty <laughs> podcasts on Blood Red Skies. So Maybe we just repeated the same yeah. thing. Paint well, your airplanes. And, well, and that's what's funny is some people say like, oh, surely, surely. Blood Red Skies has got to run out of steam because, I mean, you've only so many airplanes. Dude, then you haven't studied World War II because there's a crap ton of planes out there and and, and just different carts. You guys took... Then you haven't looked at my backlog. <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys took an event that, I mean, people are, are, are knowing about it, you know, the Malta thing. And you guys took that and made it such a beautiful presentation. 
The map is gorgeous. The models that Brett painted up. Once again, I take no credit. Not not my bad idea. I, there's somebody in this podcast who owns owns that terrible idea. Well, mm, it, yeah, Brett. yeah, but you guys you guys knocked that thing out of the park, and you showed people if you've got a desire, you got a thing that really you really want to scratch that itch. You can do it, and here's how you do it. You go look at the podcast guys and their Malta table, and you look at the airplanes and the cards and the doctor. Oh, my freaking God. You could box that son of a bitch up and sell it on the shelf, and people would buy that motherfucker. I mean, that just— You should, you should see the scenarios that are uh, made for that. There's a whole book worth of Which we still scenarios. haven't released. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. <laughs> which, that's, that's why I laugh about this project, is this project started as something that was so darn easy. Hey, we'll, we'll just write a couple scenarios— We'll do some historical research, and then that turned into Brett living like with his nose stuck in every book about Malta for probably a couple months. Um, but then it became, well, we really need to do, to do a map because nobody else's map covers the area we want and the scale we want and the scope of the battle we want. you know. And, and so all of a sudden, we've now gone down this road. And thank God we at least played on the Malta maps a couple times. And Sebastopol, yeah. And Sebastopol. We were <laughs> in Sebastopol, but it looked exactly. a lot like Malta, we, didn't it? It looked strangely much like Valletta Harbor. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the funny thing is we still have so much more we just want to do with Malta. So where I initially was concerned that, well, you know, every six months we're going to be changing concepts and moving between various battles. Eventually we're going to exhaust everything. Holy crap, we've we've barely even hit uh, Malta and I know we we did it once in a, G, a virtual GOE with four players, five players. So there's you know a lot more legs for Malta coming out. I guess that means I should mention the fact that the Lead Pursuit Malta table will be available for tabletop sim here shortly. Excellent. Um, so all the models and everything are ready for that, and the cards that will be coming out. So if you play uh, tabletop sim, play Blood Red Skies, and that you'll be able to play the Malta scenarios with some new models. Uh, a bunch of the cards and everything that we use during the virtual GOE. Well, I, I, and I got to give you guys credit. I, I I busted out laughing out loud when I when it came up on the on the computer. But when the Victory at Sea release of the Convoy, we just released what a week or <laughs> yeah. two ago. I I wouldn't have known if it would have been you guys. But I'm looking at the okay, you know, uh, Victory ship, Victory ship, Liberty ship, Liberty ship, USS Ohio motherfucker there it is right there now we've got a ship that we can use for malta that's yep. the uss ohio there it is <laughs> yeah it's it's funny how all that works out so once again it's all your fault you know you're we'll welcome bring it back to you're that. welcome <laughs> jackass <laughs> <laughs> maybe i should have asked for a demo of gates of antares instead maybe that well, would this other game i can show you but no <laughs> yeah, yeah it's no, like thanks. mitch reed poor mitch reed every time i see him i end up selling him a game you motherfucker don't yeah. come by me no here, yeah me, exactly uh, just just stop stop coming yeah, by I mean, it's, yeah. well, actually it's, it's kind of like dvg games lately so oh yeah as i've been working my way through the leader series you know and and now they're doing spruance leader for ships uh, for you know, Cold War uh, naval actions, and of course Zero Leader, the Kickstarter for that just closed out. Um, I, I laugh. I'm like, really, guys? Can you stop producing Leader games for just a little bit? Because I'd like to finish playing all the ones I have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My wallet would thank you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's kind of where I am. So the good news is I have uh, Phantom Leader and Hornet Leader staring at me here. So now that I can uh, pick up my latest acquisition from the uh, Thunderbolt Apache Leader Kickstarter, the reprint of that. Uh, I will dig my way through that. And I think, actually, I think I'm going to pawn it off on Brett. I think as I drive by, I'm just going to chuck it out down there in uh, in North Florida as I go past Brett's house. That's good. That's good. Then you, can go back to, then you can go back to Rolling Thunder and have fun with that game. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I've got that in the same <laughs> box over there. Like that. that is also in the, uh, the things I've got to do. 
Well, Chris, I know you've got to check off here shortly. Any uh, any last minute things from you before we wrap all this up tonight? No, it, it was it, GOE was a blast. Just getting down there, being back in that freaking con atmosphere, even on a teeny tiny small scale. If you have the ability in your area to do it, try it. Get some people out of their freaking houses, get together, put a mask on. Uh, I'm not aware of anybody that was sick, not that I'm checking, but I mean, it. you can interact, you can be a human being, and you can have a lot of fun. And I did want to say a quick shout out to Ryan, who very unexpectedly lost his father this week. Um, Ryan has been a buddy of mine for a long time. He's a huge freaking part of the Indiana scene. Um, he helped us out a lot with freaking gathering of Eagles just out of the goodness of his heart. He, he doesn't play the game. Uh, he doesn't even play 30 K anymore. And he was learning his terrain for that. He was on his terrain for battle tech and, and everything else. And I uh, just want to give a quick shout out to Ryan, you know, sorry, I lost your dad, buddy. We all love you. Thanks for everything you did for us at GOE. And we really appreciate it. And it was great meeting Ryan at, at, at GOE. He was a stand-up dude. He came over, chatted a lot. In fact, I got an order in the system for him. And, dude, yeah, he is. Sorry, Ryan. He, he is. Awesome. Dude, you you will not meet a guy with a freaking bigger freaking heart. I, I met him at an event. He was on the Radio Free S-Fan podcast. I went up. I heard his voice. I walked up and I went like a freaking fanboy. Are you Ryan Kimmel? He was like, yeah, you want to play a game? And freaking and and ever since then, it's been bear hugs. And I go down to his place, you know, at least, you know, three times a year to India to yeah, I, play games and shoot guns. Yeah. He's and just a he great freaking he- man. The place he, he talked about where he's playing is like that's on my bucket list now. I need to. You've go got to go to the battle barn. You've got to go to the battle barn. Yeah, he's got gotta, freaking like go twenty freaking. There's like twenty freaking crane printers going there. Freaking, he's got like eight table. It is insane what he has built down there, and everybody in the Indianapolis area is using it. They're doing events down there, wait. and it's just on private property. And he's he just wants the community to be engaged and everybody get together and have a good time. He's just an awesome dude. That's right. Good, good guy, Ryan. Yeah. Sorry to hear your loss. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So Ryan's been a, a good friend for a long time, and obviously uh, looking forward to Adepticon if it goes next year, which hopefully it will go. Uh, catching back up and and maybe actually doing some heresy things. I don't know. That's scary. Scary to think about. Maybe the Multimat will see be seen by more people there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Roll that out. Uh, I am looking forward to uh, larger events. I guess from what I've heard, uh, and this is all rumor control out here, uh, Crucible in Orlando uh, is going to go next year, so that may go in the April time frame. Uh, obviously, Coastal Con in Beaufort's going to go again, so we probably will do something there. Uh, there are rumblings of some other Georgia events and things that uh, dates are shifting and, and plans are shifting. Uh, but it sounds like there might be some 2021 events that are. Well, there's still there. there's still automores are still kicking around for Lake Geneva. Yeah. So so how's how's the schedule for that? Is it looks yeah. like it's going to go? Is it, yeah. The, the last go no go date will be the 28th of uh, September. That's when uh, they're waiting for. So far, everything's a go. Uh, my my was that the, my my heart's long guru. You know, I've got the code. They set it over radio. I mean, the the, the DDA landing is happening. Uh, it, but the last go no go hurdle is the 28th of September when they hear from the Wisconsin government whether they're going to lift or not lift the mask ban, which will influence the final vote. Yeah. But that's the last. That's the last. I was, I was hoping that wouldn't influence the final vote. Um, yeah. So as we saw that, that's just a speed bump. It's just yeah. a small hurdle. It's not yeah. a big deal. Yeah. Well, um, we did but, it at Twisted but Lords. But I, I understand it. And we did it yeah, years. We did it at Twisted Lords. And, and it was fine. And everybody. And we still didn't have anybody infected at Twisted Lords. We didn't have yeah. anybody infected at GUE. It works, right. folks. You can do it. 
And they're doing the same thing we did at Twisted Lord. So I, I really hope that Kevin Kabai and the boys can pull it off. And I'm looking forward to going up there. And we'll be at Lake Geneva that first weekend in October as long as we get that final go, no go from the 28th of September. If you can shop at Walmart, you can roll dice. Amen, yeah, brother. Exactly. Yeah, or, or go to exactly. Surge just for a bike thing. And then uh, in November. <laughs> well, but there you wear a bra. You don't wear a right, mask right. on your face. Oh, did I say well, that out then, loud? <laughs> yeah. And then I think the next two events will, the ones in the first part of November, is going to be Bayou Wars down in Mississippi. And we're still looking at that one. And still it's got a green light. And then uh, the guys have thrown something together at uh, uh, the, the Toledo Gamer Store, Game Room. Uh, for the 22nd of November. There's still something going on there for that. But that's the last two or three events that I know of that I'll be attending or that I know of. Unless there's somebody out there that's got something cooking. And like Chris said, uh, here, here, yay, verily, uh, and ditto, ditto. Don't try to do the couple thousand people. Yeah, that's just crazy. But a couple hundred, do it. You'll be surprised and how much fun you had and everybody wants to chuck dice. And people got some money in their wallet. I was surprised... But the people were dropping at the game, you know, GOE. People were dropping some coin, and and uh, they, they did it at TLC, yeah, and they did yeah. it at, at GOE. We had a little pent up frustration. We haven't yeah. been able to buy stuff in yeah. person. Yeah, so it was it was it was a great time, and uh, it, it doesn't take a lot, uh, probably a lot less effort to do a podcast uh, than a, than a to podcast to set up a convention of a couple hundred, and and you can maybe a one day event like CoastalCon. Or uh, a Friday night, Saturday thing, early Sunday morning, like GOE. It can be done, people. And it, it, it just get a couple of your friends and do it, and you'll be surprised at the results. I was going to say, they were throwing money at you faster than at a medical school student in Phoenix City, Alabama. Amen, brother. Or, or, a, or a stripper at Vegas. It was nuts. I didn't say stripper. I would never say stripper. Those, those girls are putting themselves through school. <laughs> They're hard work. That's right. That's right. All right. Moving on. So... As we tie things up, Brett, any last minute uh, things you want to go ahead and cover? No, I was just, you know, as we're going through the episode, I'm thinking about a lot of the things we've worked on in this now just over a year, really. And it's kind of a kind of a lot. It's the first time I've really kind of added up in my head all the little projects and content things we've put out there. But, you know, not to toot our own horn, but I figure if we don't, somebody else will use it as a spittoon, right? But you yeah, think exactly. you know, it kind of all started with like the Malta stuff and all the, you know, and folks don't even know about this stuff, but like there's a whole book of Malta scenarios that we could drop that, that we, that was kind of our start. The Malta mat, the, um, the Malta ace cards, right? It was a bunch yeah, of for stuff everybody who showed up to GOE. They got the ace cards. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, we had the virtual GOE, this, the, the in-person GOE where there was a, you know, maybe some step towards standardization of tournament play for, uh, Blood Red Skies, that was exciting. Hey, man, got, man. Yeah, I got the Vietnam playtesting thing that uh, you've been a big part of. Uh, this campaign thing that's brewing, and uh, we're getting close to doing something with that. And even just like the little things like on the um, the LPP Facebook page, I mean, we're constantly out there like talking to people and stuff. And you've got uh, stuff on there on our store that's, you know, selling bits and bobs for Blood Red Skies. And there's that resource list on there that I think has been a good resource for you know people to check into who have questions. I just feel like just as I recount the things that we've been involved with just in the past, really just several months, uh, just a little over a year, it's, it's seems to me kind of a lot of stuff. And, and I'm excited about that because I hope that I, I feel confident that some of that stuff has been helpful for somebody who's playing the game out there. And I feel good about that. 
Well, you know, I, I think there's just a lot of stuff that can be done. There, there's always a lot of good ideas out there, and then it falls into what uh, a couple of knuckleheads with a computer and a couple of microphones can do. So, <laughs> Well, and you think about this, too. A year ago when you came up to my stall and you ended up buying this stuff, who knew that now you guys would have the relationship that you do have with Andy Chambers? I mean, it, yep. you, you think about that, too, and, and yeah, you can fanboy all day, but Andy is approachable, and maybe for all those listeners out there, if there's that game that you really like, maybe reach out to the, the, the game developer and make your own podcast like these knuckleheads did and, and go up to 50 in a year and a half, and, you know, boom, you can do your thing. I mean, there's people out there that like to play, you know, that river horse game, My Little Pony. It's a role-playing game, and it's phenomenal. But, you know, hey, if there's something out there, you'd be surprised how approachable these game designers are. And, you know, a year ago, these guys didn't even know that Andy would talk to him. Now he talks to him on a regular basis. Yeah, sadly, Andy does talk to me on a regular basis and usually tells me how I've screwed it up. But that's all right. Thanks, Andy. I appreciate the feedback. I'll try to screw it up less the next playtest session. <laughs> that's all right. Well, you know, we've been talking for about 58 minutes or so, uh, mostly making fun of ourselves and being smart asses and maybe occasionally talking about something pertinent like uh, Brett likes to do. Um, but I want to thank you guys for jumping on the podcast and for at least helping us commemorate uh, 50 episodes. And while it may not have been always 50 useful content episodes, it sure has been a hell of a lot of fun. <laughs> well, congratulations. It's always been an honor and privilege, guys. And this is just phenomenal. Hope for another 50 more.